Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. We have a new podcast format. We also don't have a name for it. So if anyone wants to put their suggestions in, actually, we would really love to know. But what we want to do... Oh, we. You don't know who we are. I have Tom here, so... You know, if you have emailed me, you've probably emailed Tom. Yeah, I'm I'm here with Beth for this one. I've been brought in as a a voice of the people. Uh, you might have noticed <laughs> that the the channel has has kind of reshaped over the last few months. Beth's been doing some new investigative and educational type videos. And basically, having worked on these, we found there's always a limit to the amount we can include in the length of video. And so we thought we'd do a little extra podcast uh, with some extra bits of information for you. And also, we've just had some really interesting questions in the comments, haven't we, Beth? So we thought we'd we'd address a few of those. Yes. Can we just go back to when you called yourself voice of the people? Well, what I mean by that is I have no vocal expertise. And so I I regard myself in this process as a voice of the people, uh, a vocal idiot. (laughs) You're not a vocal idiot. Well, only by proxy of generally having been around you, absorbing the information which you output to me. Well, you are helpful, though, because I, I feel like if I'm explaining something that you haven't come across yet, and then you don't understand it's very helpful because I can um, change how I'm explaining that. Yeah, exactly. I, I am a vocal idiot. So if I don't understand something, <laughs> then we need to change it so that the other vocal idiots who aren't Beth can understand it as well. <laughs> Look, no one's a vocal idiot here, okay? <laughs> okay, well, today's topic, uh, we're actually going back to the first video Uh, in this format that Beth looked at, which is on why you don't like the sound of your own voice. So if you haven't watched that video, you might want to go and do that now. We'll leave the link in the description. But I think we'll get straight into it. On an experiential level, do you like the sound of your own voice? I didn't used to, but now I've got used to it. A lot of people say they like my voice. So that's made me feel, it's fisted my ego. I've got a big ego now about my voice. You like it more just as a result of the constant positive reinforcement from the comments. That's basically what I need all the time. (laughs) But I used to think when I was singing, especially, I hated the tone of my voice. I used to think it was really, really boring. So do you have a different reaction when you are speaking and listening to yourself back as opposed to when you sing? I think I sound a little bit more childlike when I hear my speaking voice but again I've done so many videos now that I am I'm really used to it but sometimes when I'm doing podcasts I'm not doing it now but uh, especially if I'm doing like a podcast or a radio sort of thing that I have to listen to afterwards and can send an edited version of I listen back and I'm like oh no it's too high pitched so then I do it a second time and I'm like yes I'm Beth and then this is actually my voice. Are you more likely to recognise one or the other? If you, if I were to play back a recording of you speaking and singing, are you more likely to recognise one as you? 
I definitely recognise my speaking voice because I think it can be quite distinct because of my accent's a little strange and the way I speak's a little strange. However, if you put me beside my sister, we will speak so similarly that if I got both the clips and I wasn't sure, I might get confused. Would you? I uh, yes, I I think I would, but I think this is a key difference between us. I listen to most of what I'm saying. I know in the video we actually <laughs> this kind of goes against the video mm-hmm. because we had a whole section on it's not useful to listen to your own voice when you're actually speaking live and so we tend to block it out. I feel like I am listening to most of the things that I say. Um which I think is different to you. Is that right? Yeah, I block out my voice, your voice, everyone's (laughs) voice. I'm just in my own little world listening to my inner voice. But I definitely block out sounds around me, including my own voice that now I'm thinking about it. Now all I can hear is my own voice, but unless I think about it. Yeah, it's interesting. So we'll get onto inner voice for sure. But I think that one thing that we definitely found doing this video is that everyone actually has quite a different auditory experience. And it's not something that we speak about or are particularly aware that people are experiencing differently a lot of the time. So we found during this, I am much more aware of external sounds than you. Well, you hear everything. Including my own voice. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, that must be really irritating. In the bathroom here, there's a a fan. And if that is left on, Tom cannot deal with the sound of that fan. You have to go and turn that off. Yeah, well, it it kind of invades my experience. Even if I'm in a completely different part of the flat, I I generally, it gets through to me. It does mean that you pick up on details around you all the time. If you go for a walk, you will see small birds Mm -hmm. that I'm like, la, 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 just looking at something shiny. And you're like... A bird, something important. Yeah, well, it also means that we have quite different experiences of other things, like going to a restaurant uh, in the time that we could actually do that pre-COVID. I find it quite difficult to block out other external noises and conversations. And if you've got 40 different conversations happening in one large space, I find that quite overwhelming. Whereas I think you find it a little bit easier to zone in on the single conversation that you're having yeah for sure I actually quite like that background noise a little bit could you do something that was words based so could you write whilst you were listening to music or listening to something else I find it difficult if I'm listening to vocal music to be honest but I think that's mostly to do with the fact that it goes into like my singing teacher brain and I can't help but like break it down a little bit however I can listen to instrumental music for sure it depends what sort of frequencies Some people love listening to music. I can listen to general chatter around me, as long as it's not too loud and too invasive. So I could be in a coffee shop, for example. In fact, I'd really, I'd love to go and sit and write in a coffee shop right now. This is one of my favorite places to be. Yeah, it's interesting for me because I think if I'm working with anything that's word-based, if I'm reading or writing, I essentially need complete silence around me well it's interesting in the comments how diverse people are like literally everyone is different Mm. and we can give these science rules but for some people that just doesn't happen Mm. you know these are a tendency like a really strong tendency but they're not for everyone and it's obviously as we say in the video it's so down to 
how you perceive yourself and your own self-image as well, how, how you then perceive your voice when you're listening back to it. We obviously talk about bone and tissue conduction mm. and often as a result, your voice seeming lower in your own head, but actually quite a few of the comments go on to say that they hear their voices lower during recordings. Why do you think that would be? I think that it could be for a few different reasons. We have lots of different densities of tissue and bone in our body, so dependent on the person, so that could affect the frequencies differently. It could also be down to the recording device and whether it boosts lower frequencies or higher frequencies. I think mostly it's down to the psychology of when you develop your kind of vocal self-image. Most people develop their sense of self when they're a teenager, and also that's when people's voices are higher. So my theory is, although this has not been proven anywhere, that once you've got this kind of idea of what your voice is in your head, then you kind of keep it, even though you're speaking throughout your life. And if you haven't been listening to yourself on recordings, then you suddenly get presented it, and actually you're a man and your voice broke. Mm, interesting. So you, you've got people who have that kind of initial idea of how their voice sounds and that hasn't changed even as their voice in real life has matured and become much older and maybe fuller and maybe lower as well. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. The other thing that we had quite a lot in the comments was people saying, actually, do you know what? I really do like my own voice. Yeah. And I think uh, the way that we set it out made that a bit worrying for people. We have people saying, you know, am I a narcissist <laughs> for actually really liking the sound of my own voice? I what think, do you think about that? Of course you're not a narcissist if you like your own voice. It's like saying, oh, I like how I look. Am I a narcissist? No. Well, I don't know, but maybe a narcissist does like how they sound as well. So you can say, of course you're not a narcissist, but we don't know, do we? Well, maybe, maybe that particular person was a narcissist. Maybe they weren't. No, but but sure. you don't have to be a narcissist yes, <laughs> to yes. like your voice. <laughs> I do. I agree. And obviously, again, it's back to that whole self-image thing. And the more that you do to like yourself as, as a person, I guess, the more likely you are to uh, not hate, anyway, the sound of your own voice. Mm. So another question that we had was on accent. And generally the consensus being that people, their inner voice doesn't have an accent and then they're surprised when they listen back to a recording and they think their accent is strong. Why do you think that is as a person who actually their accent confuses quite a lot of people? Yeah, my accent does confuse everyone. It is in fact Scottish, but um, I was born in England and my parents are English. So it's a little bit confusing because I think it's a bit mixed up. And it's from the east coast of Scotland. So everyone thinks of like a strong Glaswegian accent. But actually, the area that I'm from is quite a, a soft accent. But in terms of why wouldn't you know your own accent? Everyone has an accent. But most people think their accent is normal. I think it would be a similar thing to your lower voice. Your self-image doesn't contain an accent as such. I think you're definitely right. I think that people generally perceive themselves not to have an accent, full stop, when mm -hmm. they're young. And that actually going back to this thing of you hang on to this, the voice that you have when you're young, that could be a, a sort of hangover of that. I wonder if there would be a correlation between the people who can imitate or slip into other accents uh, and whether you can hear your accent in your own head and it doesn't surprise you on a recording. 
Well, it's, it's like I don't go around every day being like, oh, there's Beth's voice with a Scottish twang. Like, I, I'm not thinking about it ever, but can you hear your accent? Yes, I can, because I'm constantly listening to myself. But I, I suppose in the same way as a lot of other people, I don't necessarily hear that I have an accent. I'm aware of how my voice sounds and it doesn't surprise me. And I can hear when I'm doing a different accent, as obviously have to for my job sometimes. It's interesting because it links into impressions and whether impressionists can hear when they are doing a different voice. And I think the answer is, of, of course, they can. They've spent a lot of time working on their voice and becoming so aware of their voice. Yeah, absolutely. I find it quite amusing, the idea of people who are surprised when they listen to themselves back on a recording and actually uh, someone being imitated by an impressionist and not being able to recognize the sound of their own voice when everyone else in the room hears that as the same. I know there's not a study on this, but I bet if you studied singers and you studied, or anyone who uses their voice as part of their job, I bet those people who use their voice a lot would be able to recognise their voice, but the people who don't think about their voice on a daily basis probably would be less likely to recognise their voice. So I think people like impressionists and singers, they hear their voice on recordings enough, or have thought about how their voice sounds enough to be able to identify it in different forms. And do you think that as a result, a higher proportion of those people, people who are successful and they are recording artists and vocal professionals, do you think that an equal percentage of those people dislike their voice? Or do you think that as you just get more used to it and more, more used to having to listen back to it, and I know it's something that you recommend for your students all the mm. time, do you think that that increases your chances of liking your own voice? I don't know if people particularly like their own voice, but they learn to accept it. Yeah. I mean, actually, the most common name in the comments was Morgan Freeman. So mm -hmm. do we think that uh, Morgan Freeman goes around just loving his own, you know, you, you hear his voice all the time, narrating films, and he's got <laughs> such an iconic voice. Do we think that Morgan Freeman is walking around really loving the sound of him narrating <laughs> his own life? Oh. Yeah, and everyone was wondering whether Morgan Freeman's inner voice is Morgan Freeman. Is he narrating his own inner monologue? Maybe he doesn't have an inner voice, so that would be so sad. I really hope he has his own voice as his inner voice. Do you feel like when Morgan Freeman listens to himself back, that he has the same reaction as all of the rest of us, which is like, oh, that voice is fantastic. I think he's probably used to it by now. But like, there may have been a point where he was like, oh, is that my voice? <laughs> a lovely Morgan Freeman impression there. <laughs> so Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, 
but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This kind of leads us on uh, to inner voice and generally how we experience our inner voice. Because again, that is something that is hugely different. So as you say, the the question that we had most commonly about Morgan Freeman is how does he perceive his own voice in that it's so iconic and he's listened to it so much. Is he constantly narrating his own life? Um, how do you perceive your inner voice? I don't think about it that much. I definitely do have a voice and I think it's probably pretty similar to how my voice sounds inside my head. I guess that is just built up because I've listened to my voice so much. But sometimes it's quite abstract. Sometimes it is a voice dependent on what I'm doing. And sometimes it's just a visual image or something even vaguer than that. Is it the same voice that you have when you're reading? If you're reading a book and obviously if you're not reading a character, if you're reading something descriptive, is that the same voice as you narrate your life with? You have a passing thought with? Yes. And there's no difference at all. It doesn't matter what you're reading. Your your voice is consistent and remains the same. Yeah. In fact, sometimes uh, you may have noticed I gently say the words under my breath because it's so visual for me mm -hmm. that I'm seeing all the visual images. And it's like I need to keep the the sound of it going. Otherwise, I'll lose it. But I'll you're not seeing words. Are you? You're seeing images, images that relate to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. This is pretty common amongst people it's been found so most people are not thinking in words this was actually something that we had a look at as mm. part of this video isn't it and we discovered that i think much more clearly in words uh, in comparison to visual imagery which you tend to use mm -hmm. um i was having a look at a study that was comparing the two and the reasons for this <laughs> there were two theories theory number one was just that People who don't really have an inner voice are just fairly poor at introspection. Um, and <laughs> it, it relates to a person's own ability to examine their own mental processes. How reflective do you think that is of me? <laughs> well, so you don't have an inner voice? Is that what you're saying? No, oh, well, it's, you do have it's an tricky, voice. isn't it? I definitely do have an inner voice. I I'm not sure that I experience an inner voice in the same way as you. I would say that you are an introspective person, though. So I would say this: if this is a case for you, this does not hold true. Well, yes, thank you. The second study actually came to the conclusion that producing inner speech requires a network of brain activity spanning from the frontal lobe to the auditory cortex, which is located near your ears. These networks are then the same networks that are used when you speak out loud. Mm -hmm. So the theory was basically that the people who don't produce inner speech are unable to activate some of these networks without also activating their motor cortex, which I found interesting. And, and again, just goes back to we are experiencing the world in really, really different ways in the way that we hear external sounds and also in the way that we're processing our own thoughts. I definitely feel like I have a much more words-based account of the world. Mm, yeah. And actually, you touched on something interesting there about how people hear differently. Everyone's going to hear your voice differently. 
Mm-hmm. That's absolutely fascinating. That like every single person has uh, different sensitivities to different frequencies within their ears, different brains, different life experiences that may make them like or dislike certain things, different cultural experiences. And these will all add up to, does that person like your voice? And it's literally nothing to do with you. There's so much going on, but every single person has a a different experience in hearing your voice as well. So, like, what actually is your voice? Is it the voice that that person hears? Is it the voice on that recording? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, even if you're in a room with, say, 10 other people, each one of those 10 other people live is going to be processing your voice in a different way and they're all going to be hearing something slightly different. So at the end of the day, I guess it's just best not to get hung up about how you hear your voice when you listen back to it or at the time or whatever, because actually everyone else is processing that differently. Yeah. It's interesting as well, though, because then people are like, well, then how can you improve? And there's a balance to be found, of course. You know, it's not like Morgan Freeman doesn't properly sound like Shirley Temple in his head or someone's not perceiving Morgan Freeman like Shirley Temple. It's not that diverse, though. I think then this kind of leads on to equipment and the way that equipment plays back your voice. And I think a lot of people moaning about our mobile phones and mobile phones not being particularly good in Mm. comparison to mics. Do you think there is one form of equipment? Have you ever found something which matches actually, yes, that is how I hear myself in normal life played back to you from a particular device? It's really hard to tell by now, I think, because I've heard my voice through so many different devices, through so many different microphones. I actually really love this microphone that I'm using right now. I don't know if it sounds the most like me. Maybe it sounds mostly like how I want to sound, and that's why I like it. Just (laughs) how your brain is able to process your sound in real time. So if you're having the lower harmonics boosted to Mm. you, by virtue of just your genetics, and that's the way that your body is processing sound, if you find a mic that is then boosting those lower harmonics, you're going to think, oh, yeah, this is how I sound, much more than Mm -hmm. a mic which is boosting the much higher harmonics. The thing is, though, we often hear our voice through phone microphones, I'd say, so the most common, and that doesn't have the capability to pick up a lot of the lower frequencies when recording and does boost a lot of those higher higher frequencies so you get a much more tinny more sort of twangy sound whereas like a nice microphone is more likely to to pick up the full spectrum of frequencies however each microphone has its own signature sound engineers you know i'm not a sound engineer but they will pick a certain microphone for a certain voice because they know that there's like a little bump in the middle of the frequencies of certain microphones or this one has a nice crisp higher frequency or this one's going to boost the lower part of your voice and make it sound richer and warmer so well sound engineers will have a whole cabinet of microphones and when someone comes in to sing or speak or do whatever they need to do they will listen to their voice and play around with the microphones and see which one suits it best. I think the takeaway here is also don't practice your high belt into into a phone microphone. No. <laughs> practice it into, into a nice mic that's going to give you that full spectrum of harmonics and yeah. so that you can hear that lower end as well. Oh, you can practice it into that, but just be aware it might not sound as like nice as it actually does in real life. Although I suppose there's the other side to that, which is when you're using a nice mic, it's definitely going to pick up every one of those tiny little 
errors mm-hmm. in in pitch which actually your iPhone might not quite pick up at the time and you might sound a lot more mm-hmm. a lot more even through an iPhone mic in that case yeah. than than through a nice one of these you know a lot of people say that music is getting worse and the quality of singers are getting worse but there's a massive argument for the fact that microphones and production although obviously things can be fixed more than they used to be because everything is so crystal clear you don't have the luxury of making a mistake and if you do you have to fix it you know in the old days when you had a whole band in a room and you, you know mixing was done by who stood closer to the microphone oh well it got lost Mm, yeah, and I, I think then that comes with its own pressure, doesn't it, in terms of the technology developing means that also we have millions and millions of people, especially through this lockdown, tuning into live performances. And everyone wants the live performance. They don't want something that's recorded. They want it to be either one take all the way through or a direct live stream. And this comes with its own pressures. Yeah, yeah. Oh, live streams are very pressureful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which actually, I mean, we'll definitely do do one of these podcasts soon on the lip sync video because mm. we were obviously looking at recently, weren't we, the, the concept of, of lip syncing and why an artist would feel compelled to do it or, or why a label would feel compelled to recommend an artist do it and the stigma that's kind of grown up around that and the expectation from people that it has to be a perfect live performance every time and they want exactly what is on a record. Well, it's, I won't go into it now, but there's a lot of interesting comments on the video and we'll, we'll discuss that a little further. Well, we've got to the end of the podcast, the end of this one, our new format. I hope you enjoyed it and let us know what you think and keep on commenting on YouTube because then we'll answer the questions. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see all of your comments and any of the new format of videos that come out. Just leave a comment down below and you may well get featured with a question in one of these podcasts. We don't have a name for this yet. We've been discussing ideas, but maybe we'll put up a Twitter poll. So head over to Twitter and I'll pin it to the top. It'll come out on the day that this is released. Mm-hmm. And I reckon we'll give it a few days where you can just suggest any name and then we'll run a poll of our favourites, uh, maybe a favourite four, and whatever wins, that will be the name for this new format of the podcast. So that brings us properly to the end. Thank you very much indeed, Beth. Oh, thank you for being on the podcast, Tom. Oh, and thank you all for tolerating the sound of my voice, and I hope you <laughs> found this useful. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.